coming up on Art Palace. Romarie's grandmother thought, oh, this is great. He's got a friend and he's learning how to draw until she saw what they were drawing. And then she took all their artwork and burned it. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is museum docent Julie Willis, who is taking me on a walkthrough of Something Over Something Else, Romare Bearden's profile series. I, I thought it was funny how much you protested being on here. <laughs> you would be like, so you're like, I don't think you know how shy I am. Well, absolutely. Anyone who knows me would, would say that. So, But I think that's funny. So why did you want to stand up in front of strangers and talk about oh, art? It's, isn't that weird? I know. It's, it's like, well... When when you have passion for something, mm. you you have power. I think, and okay. um, as long as I know what I'm talking about, I'm okay. Mm. But you know what? There, uh, people have a BS meter, and <laughs> I realize that. And so when I'm when I don't know what I'm talking about, I feel really uncomfortable, and and so I I, get I bet <laughs> you have a good BS meter, and I think you vastly overestimate other people's <laughs> BS meters. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think my experience, people don't have very good BS meters. I feel like people listen to a lot of it and go, oh, yeah, and just sort of nod along. And yeah, like, well, I worked with students for a long time, uh-huh. and, and um, I that's when I started gaining power, I think, or confidence, I should say. Right. You say you started working with students. What do you mean? I taught um, at the collegiate level. I taught graphic design. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. this seems like a really good fit for you. Yeah, then. I was really excited about this exhibition. As soon as I heard about it, I had to be involved in this. I think you would agree that there's a, a relationship there. And I guess it's just like, they seem so like fundamentally rooted in that. There was some of those same principles of like basic graphic design principles, well, I guess. Yes, the the principles and elements of design are on display, full display here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's maybe where I was thinking. And even like it harkens back to like pre-computer graphic design too, of like cutting things out with exacto exacto knives and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very physical. Yeah. So we we should go ahead and say where we are. We are in uh, the exhibition called Something Over Something Else, uh, Romare Bearden's Profile Series. And you know what? I just said Romare Bearden and because that's how I grew (laughs) up saying it. Like I've heard this name, but I guess we've learned now, it's now I guess pronounced Romare. Is that right? Uh, Romare. Romare. Okay. So it's like everything I say is going to be <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to even bring this up because everybody says Romare. Yeah. But he himself uh, introduces himself as um, Rome, like Rome, the city, yeah, yeah. Romery. And huh. you can hear him introduce himself in one of the videos. So 
we know that. But even his wife said Romare. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I had heard. Like, yeah, I think we should all just cut ourselves a little bit of slack yeah. on names. It's like their names. People say them differently. You know, it's fine. Well, let's like, just call him Bearden. Well, that's you know, the too. safe thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the, or Romy. Romy's what his Romy friends so called cute. him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's a Romy. Uh, we'll go with Romy. Anyway, uh, there's a picture of uh, Romy uh, working in his studio. Um, and yeah, that kind of is, is the beginning. I'm, I should also say I am experiencing this show for the very first time as Yay, we stand here. I love it. Yeah. So you've had a little bit of a, a leg up on me. You've actually gotten to walk around. So I'll let you sort of lead me because sure. I, I don't actually know where we're, what, what's coming up. Well, that photograph's a good place to start because it, it shows Bearden in his studio. And uh, right behind him, you see a photograph of his grandparents uh, who lived in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, he had another... Um, set of grandparents that lived in Pittsburgh, and these were um, highly influential people in his lives. So he kept that photograph of his grandparents there in his studio with him. So um, shall I just tell you a little bit about the exhibition, what's going on here? Yeah, sure. If you want to give us a little overview of it, that'd be great. Just a quick overview. Um, It's broken up into two parts, um, uh, profile series uh, that were done in uh, 1978 and 1981. Um, 1978 was his memories and impressions of his time in Charlotte, uh, in Mecklenburg County, uh, North Carolina, and also in Pittsburgh. So that's that section is part one, um, exhibited in 1978. Um, and then in 1981, there was another exhibition of his memories from Harlem. Um, he moved as a child from Charlotte, where he was born. He moved with his parents to New York City and often came back to Pittsburgh and to um, the Charlotte area, Mecklenburg, uh, to visit with his grandparents. So uh, that's where all of these memories are coming from. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's let's look at some stuff. Okay. So we're uh, stopping in front of Model Sleet's Magic Garden, and I should mention that the titles were written uh, by Bearden himself um, in partnership with a friend of his who's a writer named Albert Murray, and also on the gallery walls you see captions that uh, he and and Murray wrote together. Yeah. And the captions, um, we were just, uh, talking about, we, uh, there was a lecture the other night. They were showing images of how in the original exhibitions, Bearden had sort of scrawled these himself in his own handwriting right on the gallery wall. So they're kind of printed, um, in a similar size, uh, to about how he would have written them, but they're, they're just typed out, you know, here. Um, but they are sort of positioned on the gallery wall in the same places. Then the captions themselves, since they were written by Bearden, they um, they are part of the artwork, and sometimes they do relate directly to the artwork. But sometimes you you read it and you look at the art and you kind of scratch your head and you have to sort of figure out you know where the connection is there. Yeah. Um, this particular one does uh, does um, uh, go right with the uh, the caption goes with the image. Yeah, yeah, we see this this sort of woman um, who sort of feels like she's maybe kind of crouched down. It's it's a little hard to see in the image uh, because it's of the way it's kind of collaged together, but she's sort of 
surrounded by flowers and there's like a cabin in the background. So yeah, I mean, the idea of somebody's garden is, is pretty clear here. I, I think I forgot to mention to, to everyone that these are collages. Yeah. That's sort yeah. of what he's most famous yeah. for yes, are yes. these collages. So yeah, if you're, if you're not familiar with, uh, Bearden's work, um, that's his, he started out painting, but then this is sort of what I think I sort of had heard of him was about these collages. That's that's where I became familiar. Yes, with him. in the in the '60s, he sort of um, his career was relaunched by some collage work that that he did, mm -hmm. and just took off from there. Um, so these are pieces of paper, magazines, fabrics, and, and some papers that he made himself. You can see where he's, in some places, he's painted some yeah. paper and then cut the paper up and reassembled it. So th that's where this uh, title of the exhibition comes from, Something Over Something Else, because Bearden expressed his thought of art making as putting something over something else. Uh, which is very appropriate to the idea of memories as well, because we're dealing with memories here. As we go through our lives, memories get layered upon layer. Yeah, this one, it's really easy to see all of the kind of painting work he's also doing here. Like this one arm we can see uh, in the foreground that's kind of uh, the closest to us is it, it appears to be originally a black and white image of an arm. Mm. And then it looks like he sort of stained it with like watercolor or some kind of very transparent paint um, to give it a skin tone. Actually, I'm thinking maybe all of like her face might also be black and white image originally. And then he's kind of staining it with a, a flesh tone. And her, it's interesting how her arm actually becomes part of the flowers there. Mm -hmm. So the, the caption says, I can still smell the flowers she used to give us and still taste the blackberries. So he's reminiscing about a woman that lived in his town in Charlotte uh, who was kind to the children, and when they'd walk by, would uh, she'd give them flowers and blackberries. Yeah, you, it, it really, like, if you took away that, that caption, you know, it's like Maudel Sleet's Magic Garden. It says one thing, and then when you read that caption, it makes it very personal all of a sudden. Yes, you know? yes. It puts him in the story. Um, and it, it, it's interesting, too, it, it adds this other element of something that's not in the image, the idea of blackberries or, like, fruit and things. So, so it's kind of, I like the idea that it incorporates taste, um, something that you don't really see in the actual image. Yeah. And the, the painting right next door is also Model. Oh, okay. Uh, Model Sleet. So we can look at her, um, in a much larger scale. The, um, the Model Sleet's Magic Garden is a small work. It's only about eight by 10. Yeah. Um, now this one is a lot larger. Uh, this one's called Sunset and Moonrise with Model Sleet. The scale of this one is really impressive because you, you think of collage as being a little bit smaller uh -huh. often, probably just because of the sort of source material you have to work with, yeah. right? Like, okay, if you're trying to cut images out of magazines or, or things, then your largest images can be only about that big. So it might be a little harder to work on a larger scale sometimes, but... Um, yeah, well, he even... Uh, he recognized that in this first part of the exhibition, the, the works are smaller. And he said that they were small like this because when you're a little child, mm. everything looks 
so different than it does when you grow up. Okay. And the spaces seem larger to you when you're a child. Yeah. And then you go back and you revisit it, and it's all very small. Yeah. So that was his his idea, I think, on this. Yeah, and actually, just now looking at it too, I'm realizing you had mentioned that he used fabrics yes, a lot, and yes. this is this is one that where again it it makes sense for the scale of the piece because he can get fabric comes in in large bolts, and you can buy large pieces of fabric. So this the biggest piece of probably any single uh, source I can see here is that her her, her skirt. skirt. Yeah. So this is a large portrait she's uh, of Model Sleet. She's standing there. It looks like a cabbage patch, mm-hmm. a vegetable garden, and she's got a little basket back there that's full of what she's just harvested. Um, there are some bushes in, in the background and some hills, and you'll see uh, her house back there. Uh, and the caption says, when her husband died, she worked the farm most of the time by herself. Now, Russell, what do you think about those hands? I know that's, there's several pieces that I've seen in the catalog. At least. I've, I've kind of, I have seen all these images in the catalog before, but, um, that's, there's these giant, giant hands. Um, and I've seen other pieces where he, he uses that, but it seems to like emphasize like, the labor or, you know, like this is the part of her that's doing, you know, the most work, like this is the most important part of her are her hands. Um, is kind of what I get from it. And I think about, you know, in our, our African gallery, how exaggerated, uh, they made the parts that were important in the African Mm. sculpture, Mm -hmm. like the big eyes or the big ears or the big head. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that, Maybe he was emphasizing the hands because of the uh, manual work that, yeah. that she was doing. Yeah, I mean, I know in the other one, which is that that I'm thinking of, uh, that I've looked at a lot because of the August Wilson project we have coming up, um, the Mills Hand Lunch Bucket. Yes, um, yes. Is is another one where the man has giant hands. Yeah, we'll be seeing that one in a few minutes. And yeah. again, it's like somebody who's working. You know, it's it's sort of like a person who probably works with their hands. So it makes sense that he's sort of pushing that side of things. Yeah. 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 This one's great, though. It, it just I, I feel like it has a lot of those um, sort of little painterly touches as well, where he's even if he's cutting out things, they've sort of been painted on before or after uh-huh. um, to give them a lot more texture. So there's these really lovely sort of watercolor stains and things on her hands. Oh, the, the texture and the color in this exhibition are, are just so delightful. I mean, it's just, I was in here on Saturday morning and mm-hmm. uh, this was the first time the public uh, oh, yeah, really yeah. got to see it was a few days ago. And, um, there were kids in here and everybody was loving it. it yeah. Was, <laughs> I think I like this one so much also because there's a lot of contrast between say that relatively, calm flat sky and then the ground once you when you move down it gets so much more vibrant and busy Uh um so i like that sort of area of rest the moon has a little bit of texture behind it but then everything else in the sky is very flat and it it, gives us some contrast yeah exactly i love the way that he has cut the fabric the stripes on her skirt so that you can see where you know it's moving Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, yeah. He's got these sort of like, even the way it's like glued down, it looks like he's sort of pushed the fabric around uh-huh, a little bit to yeah. give like little waves. Where her leg would be. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's like really smart. And like now that you're saying that, it looks like he's sort of gone in with a little bit of paint to sort of give some shadowy areas uh-huh. to, to sort of help uh, define the body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at this other one over here, which is really a highlight. It's another pretty pretty large scale one. Yeah. This looks I I've only seen this one in pictures and it is way more impressive in person. What what do you notice about it that's different than in the pictures? Again, like you don't get all of that sense of all of the textures oh, and yeah, details yeah. that you you know when it's yeah. reproduced at probably like a 16th of its size is what I'm used to seeing it and and so you don't get the sense of how much texture, how much like it sticks off the surface like this quilt, you know, like Uh-huh. these different pieces of fabric really register as different pieces of fabric and you can see um how you know the the different textures that they have like literally like not saying that in the sort of designy sense of the word i mean literally like if you rubbed your hand across it which you should not you right, would right. feel um all of these different uh feelings that each one of these ty- types of fabrics has well to, um for the listeners this is miss mamie singleton's quilt and it's a large work, and we're inside what looks like it's probably a log cabin mm-hmm. due to the texture on the walls, and it is just a riot of color and texture. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree on this? Just yeah, but although I like that, again, the colorful part is really, the most colorful part is that quilt, uh-huh. and then you have these sort of really cool muted blues that are elsewhere in the piece, and then the logs, which are fairly colorless or very neutral. Uh Um, So it it makes that quilt extra, extra vibrant. Extra emphasized. Yeah. 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 It's the caption says she was famous for her quilts. This is a very short caption. Yeah. So there's a a woman uh, on the floor in front of a, looks like a wash tub and she's got a pitcher right next to her uh, as if she were uh, bathing, yeah. uh, about getting ready to bathe. We're, we're viewing her from the back. I don't think she's unclothed. No, she's not unclothed. She's got something on. Well, see, it looks, she looks, see, I'm thinking she's nude, but with a towel, like yeah. kind of over her shoulder. Yeah. That's how I read it. And there's a, a wood fired stove on the right hand side. A lot of, Little accoutrements that you would find in mm-hmm. uh, in a home, like a clock, uh, things on the shelf. Um, you'll find a picture on the wall. So it's homey. I like that he's made this calendar. Like it's this sort of hand drawn calendar. Like it's it's kind of great that it's, it feels like oh I couldn't find an image yeah, of a calendar yeah. that I wanted, so I'll just make one. You know. Yeah, and I think he must have made the the log cabin textures there. It, yeah, it looks like painted paper that he cut up into strips. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of it is vertical and part of it is horizontal. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of act- activity going on there. It's really effective, though. It's like it. I mean, the illusion is is pretty convincing. You know, uh-huh. if you if you see it, it it really does read as like uh, if you were looking at this in a book. That's one of the differences is you might not you might read that as printed wood that he had cut out. And I think in person you can tell, oh, no, that's like hand painted. Yeah. You can see the differences. This was a, a surprise for me to see, too. 
you know, I had studied in the, in the book mm-hmm. like, like you did. And uh, for me to see it, I, I see all the blues that are in those grays up yeah. there in, in the uh, cabin. Yeah, yeah. Those, those subtleties just don't, you're really relying on like immaculate printing to, yeah. to sort of right. translate certain, so it was really subtle colors. Right. But, you know, the, the idea of a quilt also pertains to the idea of a collage mm-hmm. because you're improvising. Right. And this is a theme, I think, that uh, that is kind of pervasive, this theme of imp- improvisation, mm-hmm. uh, because when you're making a collage, you're improvising. And when you're making a quilt, you're using scraps of fabrics that you have. So these memories that he's got in this exhibition are scraps and snippets from his life. Yeah. One, I'm just noticing one of my favorite little weird details about this piece are the window sills, uh-huh. where there's this like green border, you know, that goes around some of the window, but not all of it. And it, it sort of makes you realize like, oh, this has probably been falling into disrepair and then parts have been sort of, it, it makes you think the house has been put together in a similar way of a collage also like, Oh, this piece fell off. So we had to replace it with something else is yeah. what, how it reads to me. It could be. It also gives it some depth, you know, it shows, you know, kind of where the light would be hitting it. And you notice the circles here. Yeah. There's, there's the moon out the window. And, you know, if you go through the exhibition, you'll find suns and moons, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of places. Um, so we see the round moon. We see a round plate. We see the round clock. We see, I don't know what this is on the wall, but something round. Um, there's a, I think it's a mirror. There's a, yeah, a mirror, I guess. Yeah. And there's a pan on the wall. It looks like over there, maybe a cast iron pan. So those, those circles, you know, kind of lead you through this composition. Mm-hmm. Your eye connects those circles. Um, another thing about the way that he worked is he would start by placing just rectangles on his board. Hmm. And then he would get his, you know, the balance and the rhythm of that um, just in rectangular form. Okay. And then he would start placing figures and objects and things on top of those rectangles. So there's an underlying structure yeah. to to all of these, which lends it some unity. Yeah, that's that's nice. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good way to work of just sort of feeling like confident in the basic bones of it, yes, you know, the yes. sort of skeleton and then sort of filling that in. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think this is a, a real highlight, but let's go look at the one that's um, in our collection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. So there's a great big timeline on the wall here. It takes oh, yeah. up the whole wall, uh, which uh, talks about his biography and also things that were going on in mm-hmm. the United States at the time. Um, so I, I don't know we mentioned. Well, yes, we did mention that he was born in Charlotte. So he's American. And uh, everything about this exhibition is American. It's... Yeah. Totally American. I like the, the way that uh, I, this is like a weird thing to be excited about, but I, I feel like timelines are so boring to me, actually, in exhibitions. I'm so you do, bo- you do like them or I you don't like them? I don't usually. Oh. I'm just bored. I just, I, I'm not that, in, I'm not that interested in reading them. Yeah. Um, and this, I actually am kind of, I, the thing I like about it is that the, the way his actual life events are raised, mm-hmm. um, and are a little more pronounced. So, 
there on these sort of like raised panels, um, and then uh, white on a sort of dark gray, and then these other sort of important events in American history is sort of surrounding them. It, it's well, it's meaningful. Wall, yeah. yeah, it's meaningful in his life because he was born in 1911 in the South, and this was the time when the so-called Great Migration, African-Americans were moving up to the cities, New York City, um, Detroit, and Pittsburgh, and so on, um, which was exactly what his family did. And uh, then, you know, he arrived in Harlem at the time of uh, the Harlem Renaissance. And as we'll see in the, the next section, um, that had a huge influence on his artwork. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's an interesting parallels to see how, like, even founds Bluebird Music Company with Dave Ellis and engages in songwriting. And then yes, sort of he tried a, few, the... a few few years later in 1959, Motown Records is founded. I mean, this is kind of nice to sort of, like, see those two things in relationship to each other. Um, and even like 1970 rap and hip hop originate in the Bronx. I think there's a relationship to the idea of rap and hip hop with a lot of this work because it's built on sampling, you know, and you know, so, so you're like taking these other source materials and sort of remixing them and making them into your own thing. And, and so I think there's a really similar working uh, method. Again, that idea of improvisation Uh of like taking what you've got and working with it. Like there's, there's something there too. So yeah, these, these sort of important moments in black history that are sort of surrounding his life. And you can kind of think about how they do or do not perhaps play off of each other. So, yeah. All right. Well, Milhan's lunch bucket is in our collection. Yeah. That's this, uh, this piece here. Is this the first time you've seen this in person? It is the first time. I've never seen it on display um, before. And I'm guessing, you know, I'm just going to guess here. I don't know this for sure. But because these works are collage, I'm guessing that they're fairly light sensitive. Yes, yes. So things like this just don't get to be on display a lot. Um, It's like our Degas drawings. We would love to have them out all the time. But uh, because they're on paper, they're just very sensitive. Yeah. So that's another thing that makes this exhibition so special is, is that these pieces all belong to individual collectors and museums and the high museum in Atlanta, um, obtained uh, one of the large pieces that we'll get to in a few minutes. And uh, they had the idea to go around, do the legwork, and try to collect all of these pieces from, you know, track them down. Yeah. Um, so there are 30 collages here out of 47 that were in the two shows. Yeah. It's, it's a big undertaking. Yeah, yeah, when big, you, yeah. When you think about having to pull and trying to create this very complete image of, like, these two moments... Um, and it's, yeah, it's not easy to get everybody on board right. to and coordinate the, all those loans. So and, they're, they yeah. were shown in Atlanta and now they're, they'll sh- they're shown here in Cincinnati and then they go back to their owners. And, and probably in, uh, in the museum cases, they go back into storage yes. for a long time because they've been on view for so long. So yeah. they have to probably be in the dark, uh, is my guess. Yeah. I have not seen this piece in person. I've looked at it a lot, um, 
recently just kind of in prep for some programs. So this is probably more the scale I would have expected it to be. A lot though. of the collages. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. It, it, it seems more like kind of modest. Oh, I just noticed something. The flooring on this piece is the same as Model Sleet's stockings. Yeah. I knew I recognized that texture, yeah, but I didn't hey, remember from where, but you're how right. About that? Yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's pulling from the scraps that he's got in his studio. Yeah. That's interesting. And I've never noticed this sort of like little, it's like almost like a little baby here in the, yeah, at the on the floor. Kind of strange on the floor. Yeah. Huh? Well, to, to describe it, we're looking at an interior of the boarding house that um, Bearden's grandparents owned in Pittsburgh. It was a boarding house where a lot of the workers who worked in the steel mills mm-hmm. would um, would live. Um, really grueling, hard work, and uh, his grandmother would uh, feed them, you know, mm-hmm. provide their meals and and their boarding. Um, so we're seeing a a mill hand come coming down the stairs on the left hand side. He's got a huge hand, yes, and and he's reaching for his lunch bucket that's on the table, yeah, there. Um, and in the middle, there is a table with uh, two people seated. Uh, one man is kind of looking down, and there's a woman standing there. Uh, there's other accoutrements, a, a chair, uh, pictures on the wall, and then a window, which you will see in a lot of these collages. It's an interior mm-hmm. with a window to the dangerous outside world. Mm. So there's sort of the, con- the contrast between the comfort of home, yeah. the safety of home, and the dangerous outside world. So we're seeing Pittsburgh out there with the orange sky. Yeah, it feels it feels like pointy and hot. <laughs> yes. So we're seeing um, smoke and there's uh, all this. In, there's a train, which is another motif yeah. that's used a lot. Um, and it, you notice the orange light that's coming into the room from mm, the window. I hadn't picked up on that, but yeah, that makes sense now that you see that kind of orange colored sky. Uh-huh. Um, and then you can see that sort of diagonal that's cutting across her body really. And uh, that's sort of, uh, yeah, I hadn't put. To, I noticed that shape, but I hadn't really put it together as being light from outside. Yeah. yeah, and you can see it on kind of on the floor too. I think you can sort of see places where the light is sort of hitting the floor as well with that sort of yeah orange under, color. underneath the chair. Yeah, yeah. so you see the that structure there. He's left some of those rectangles showing. He was influenced by Mondrian. Mm, okay, and and also by um, the Dutch masters like Vermeer. Yeah, because they did a lot of interiors, and mm-hmm. and he realized that that's what he was actually doing was sort of Vermeer like things like yeah, that's interesting that's an interesting compositionally comparison. anyway yeah because yeah, a lot of those Vermeer uh pieces are very sort of like straightforward you know and, yeah. and very sort of static in we're, some ways we're on a stage here yeah 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 which is interesting because this piece influenced August Wilson to um to write Joe Wilson um, Joe Turner's come and gone. Come and gone. Joe Turner's come and gone. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. I only, I know this because I'm working with the Playhouse right now. Um, Playhouse okay, in the park. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to do a staged reading of it here, uh, coming up. And, uh, so we're, you know, putting on a full blown production is, is, is a lot of work yeah. and, uh, and money. And yeah, we, wow. we, uh, so what we're doing is, uh, we'll have actually a lot of different, like, I think we're, 
every single part has a different actor and wow, um, really going all out on it. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty big. Um, but ultimately you're going to get to hear these, you know, talented people sort of read it, uh, in a way that is, hopefully you can sort of experience the story of it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a. I haven't, seen the play myself, but it's, uh, as I understand, it's about, um, the working class man and, uh, how they're sort of taken advantage of, or I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. And I have not read the whole thing. So I did kind of skim through it and read a bit of it, um, before we kind of started the project. Uh Um, but I, yeah, it takes place in a setting very, very similar to this. Uh And, um, it's, it also is a sort of about the sort of cast of characters who come in and out of this boarding house. Yes. You know, it's, it's like a nice setting in that way where it makes sense for, you know, strangers rarely drop in and out of a normal person's home, but yeah. uh, it, it kind of makes sense for it to be a, this more public and private place uh-huh. that um, you have these different characters, the people, the residents, and and then sort of the neighbors and different people like that. So, yeah, it's 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 a surprisingly big cast of characters. I want to say there's about like eleven roles in it. So, wow, yeah. really, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just one basic set, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Um, I think it's it all takes place in that same room. Um, and uh, like I said, we don't have to build a set since we're just doing a reading. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the nice thing. Well, we get to look at the picture because it was based on, the concept <laughs> right, was exactly, based on yeah. this painting. And 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 one of the things you know, I I had heard uh, or had read that the. Uh, original production really kind of used this painting as the staging almost it, it, like they yes. basically like, well, that's it. Like, let's build the set like this almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can see that for sure. Yeah. The, the caption says the mills went 24 hours a day with three, eight hour shifts. So he's really emphasizing the workers there yeah. at one point in his, his, uh, I think he was a, a teenager. Um, he decided, well, he admired these working men and he lived among them, you know, during his high school years with his grandparents, two years in high school. Um, and at one point he did work in the mills and mm. found out really how hot and um, dangerous, yeah. difficult yeah. the work is. Well, it's a really special piece. And th- there's a piece right next to it here that I love the caption on it. And we can compare these two mm. because it says, I used to look at the sky and think of storybook dragons. Hmm. And it's got this orange sky. And it's a really similar kind of um, yeah. setting here. Yeah, it's called Pittsburgh Memories, Allegheny Morning Sky. And yeah, they have that same orange color. Yeah, that's what when I kind of said it looks hot and pointy. Yes, was yes. what I said the other in the year. I think that makes sense too. Where he says it makes him think of dragons, bringing in that idea of like heat, yeah, and fire, yeah. And, and something. I love that that idea, you know, because little boys, you know, this storybook dragons, it's, it it makes you think of a child. Yeah, but again, I think this one even maybe more so than that last one, where the interior feels maybe just a little more chaotic. This uh-huh. one really does have that sense of interior as like safe and comfortable. And then the outside as being a little bit more dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you notice the rectangles here. As I'm standing here, I'm seeing, like we saw the circles that were leading us mm -hmm. through the composition and one um, that we were looking at earlier. Now I'm seeing a lot of rectangles. Yeah, yeah. And again, another calendar on the wall. Like we were talking about the other one where he uh -huh. had drawn it here. He has a little printed calendar. Um, and then, yeah, there's there are a lot more rectangles in this one that sort of mimic the shapes of... Framed pictures and, and then something on the um, upper right there that... I don't know what. Oh, it's another window, and we're looking outside. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had not read that as a window either. Interesting. Maybe because the sky is so different looking or on that side. And then we've, we're looking into another space here. Mm -hmm. You see the, the smaller people there? We're looking deep into the house. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a lunch bucket on the table. It looks like the same kind of lunch bucket that the man is grabbing for over there. Yeah, it's interesting the way the, those shapes, that the kind of the circles and the, that piece and the, the rectangles in this one, they kind of make me... They make the piece very musical in a way to me. Oh yeah, um, in the way rhythmic, th yeah, yeah, that kind of repetition yes. of the shapes, and uh -huh. it, it just kind of um, it gives it a sort of playful musicality to me. And especially when you kind of think about the rectangles of the window and that doorway are, are also sort of these like sort of bigger um, examples, and then those are sort of little little accents. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you, you say that because we're, uh, we will be heading into Harlem in a few minutes, but mm -hmm. um, you will see a lot of musical yeah, uh, references yeah. there. Um, we want to stop here, I think, at um, Farewell Eugene. Now talk about a lot of activity going on. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the story of Eugene? I have not, um, and I know I know they referenced it the other night in the lecture, but I don't know if I I picked up on anything more than just I remember them talking about him ch them changing the title, but I don't know anything okay. else about Eugene. Yeah, well, Eugene was a childhood friend of of um, young Romy in um, in Pittsburgh, and Eugene was um he had ill health so he couldn't go to school a lot he couldn't go outside mm. uh, so he spent a lot of his time indoors and he lived on the third floor of a brothel okay. his his mother was a, a prostitute and he drew what he saw through the floorboards he was looking mm. through the floorboards and he was making drawings of the things that he saw going on in the brothel and um Young Romy asked uh, Eugene to teach him how to draw. So that's what they were doing. They were looking through the floorboards and making these drawings. And Romery's mother, or grandmother, thought, oh, this is great. He's got a friend and he's learning how to draw. Until she saw what they were drawing. <laughs> and then she took all their artwork and burned it and grabbed Eugene by the hand and marched him back home and insisted to his mother that she come live with them. Oh, wow. That, that, that Eugene, Eugene, come, live Eugene come live with them. So uh, Eugene also had some pet pigeons oh, okay. um, that, that you see here in this uh, painting. Um, so anyway, they... Yeah, the birds uh, were one of the first things I noticed there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, Eugene ended up um, passing away uh, soon after that uh, unfortunately he had um, really poor health and um, so this is farewell Eugene it's it's depicting his funeral and uh, Bearden did promise 
that he would release the pigeons when, oh, okay. uh, when he died. So we're seeing the pigeons flying off. Yeah, the, the way he captures the grief in the crowd is like, is so amazing. And the, the, it's, it's maybe less literal sort of use of space in some of his, his works. Uh-huh. Um, and he's being more sort of like expressive and the sort of dreamlike sense of like this giant head in the yeah, middle the of it. The scale is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like, it's not as literal, but I love the way that, that it becomes that grief is magnified in that way. Like the emotions of the people become so exaggerated, but that, that sort of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So that's everybody's the, moving. You, yeah. you see them all looking different directions. Now you notice a division there. Yeah. Right. There's like this tree right down the middle. You on the, the left side is where you have this sort of really crazy explosion. And then on the right side, the figures are much more, like I was saying, sort of grounded in the realities of space, I guess, like it, it uh-huh. feels like in scale. And the tones are different too. They're more muted. Yeah. Yeah. Not definitely. as colorful. Uh, yes, there's the orange moon up there. Oh, right. uh, so, um, yeah, the caption says the sporting people were allowed to come, but they had to stand on the far right. So the sporting people are the people that are associated with the brothel. Oh. So those, those people on that side, beyond this vertical division, um, are the sporting people. The sporting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> like where that comes from. Like, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah, there is another collage, and uh, you know, we pass by it, but it, it also refers to the sporting people. Interesting. So prostitution was just kind of a fact of life, right? You know, it it, it wasn't hidden from these young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was just a way of making a living for. Uh, for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, they played, uh, there's a band back there um, on the oh, far yeah, yeah, yeah. far upper right. Uh, they would play, you know, fu- funeral music, but then after the funeral was open, they would break out into ragtime. Hmm. Uh, more joyful, you know, yeah. kind of music. And the, the birds are what Bearden called journeying things. Birds and trains are some motifs that you see a lot in, in the works. Um, trains, obviously, because they brought the people north from the south mm. and uh, set you going on a, on a journey. And the birds, of course, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, this piece is great. So we're heading now into the, the next uh, section here. This is Harlem. So this, these were displayed in uh, 1981. Okay. Let's, let's start with this one sure. over here. Yeah. This one feels so different than the rest. It does. The, the style changes a lot here. You'll well, this see. one feels the most just straight up painted, right? Like it feels so like the figures are mostly just painted and the collage elements are, are almost these sort of abstractions. Again, mm. when you mentioned Mondrian, that's like the first thing I think of when I look at those like tape strips and, and things, they feel like something from like a distilled artwork. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So this, what we're looking at here is called rehearsal hall made in 1981 and it's depicting some jazz musicians. It's yeah. really colorful, a lot going on. The only sort of, more traditional kind of collage element is the sheet music at the bottom. Uh That is, you know, pictures of sheet music, but everything else is very painted. The hands, there's some photographs. It looks like on, 
of, oh, yeah. of some of the hands. Yeah. And there's a microphone up there oh, coming yeah. up from the I top. Oh, yeah, I totally missed that. Yeah. So there are some of those collage elements, but overall, I feel like he's really painting the bodies way more than we see in, in, in the works we've certainly looked at so far. And he did call his collages paintings. He referred right. to them as paintings. Um, the sheet music is a little small to read, but it, it says Trummy Young, who was a trombonist. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the sheet music is It Don't Mean a Thing. If it ain't got that swing. Right. And the other one is Solitude. So uh, Bearden was surrounded by all these jazz greats. His mother yeah. was uh, very well connected in society and uh, had people like Duke Ellington and um, Langston Hughes. All mm -hmm. these people were dropping by, famous um, artists and uh, writers. So. Uh, yeah, so we're looking here at Uptown Manhattan Skyline, Storm Approaching. Hmm. A large piece. Uh, so we're on the rooftop and, uh, you know, so many times we've been seeing, um, views of interiors with a view out a window to a dangerous world. Yeah. Now we're outside on a rooftop and it's being framed by other buildings and we're looking out toward the city. Uh, storm coming, but the colors aren't very foreboding are there they're not dangerous no no it's it actually i mean you have these little the the lines coming through the clouds are one of my favorite parts of this because it's like i guess light like it's I, it's hard to tell what it's meant to represent or rain, rain I, I don't know um Look at the the wind is blowing the clothes on the line. Yeah, there. that that part is really effective. Well, that that combined with the way she, the direction she's holding that umbrella uh -huh. sort of tells us so much, right? You can kind of tell, oh, the wind is is coming. So um, maybe that's just the wind that's kind of coming through the clouds, and because it's also sort of following the same direction. Um, you know, when a storm is coming, you get that wind uh, beforehand. So mm, that's what's coming up. Mm, I love the the way the buildings have this like subtle gradation from one color to another, like mm -hmm. from one side. So then, you know, as these just big blocky shapes, they there's they it gives so much dimension to have that like those different gradations across the buildings. And, and those aren't photographs. Those are, it looks it's, like paper that he has painted and cut out yeah. to create those shapes. Yeah, this one seems to have very few photographs that I can see. I mean, there's the fabric that we mm -hmm. talked about. Yeah. Um, the bodies seem to be mostly made up of either, you know, just sort of cut shapes. There seems to be some the woman, one of the woman's hair has some clear, like, writing in it. So oh, it was like, it's like her bun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like that was cut from some sort of image, but he's just looking for the the solid, you know, image of, of black. Like you know. a silhouette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's he's cutting out things from magazines, but he's looking less for the images in this piece and more just for the solid colors. The woman's blouse is fabric i think probably that that print oh yeah the one the seated woman yeah i can see her yeah it, it's it's made of fabric uh, i can it see it it has a now. pattern on it yeah yeah and then this lunch or the the picnic That's, basket is also it looks almost like a photograph at first but it's also just made up of painted strips and then you oh, have oh it sure is yeah you have the 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 fabric in it is is made up of photographs just like the cloths that are kind of hanging up that are blowing on the line um, but yeah, it's overall, it's like almost everything is sort of just hand drawn or hand, hand, painted. hand cut. And yeah. Cut, and you, yeah. S you see how he's using bleach now? 
to oh, get those that's spots. That's what he does. Yeah. Oh, cool. And you see, you know, in the sky, he's done that. Um, now, th- this is also, i point out to you, um, to, to the listeners, there's a woman seated, and there's a woman standing behind her, and the woman standing behind her is holding an umbrella mm. that's protecting the seated woman. This is that um, motif of guardianship that we see uh, uh, throughout the exhibition yeah. in places where, uh, especially in maybe the places where there's a suggestion of prostitution, an older woman protecting a younger woman or one person protecting another person. Hmm. This idea of safety. Um, there's a few pieces that have mother and child in them, um, kind of the, that, that idea of protection. Yeah. I love this. I love this piece. I, I love the composition. Um, I, I can just be there. And, but the colors are happy. Uh, there's a rhythm going on with a, you know, the way that the buildings are stair-stepped, kind of. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's full of this, like, the that sort of turquoise is sort of a really dominant color in it that comes in and in the buildings and the sky and this like pink, you know? So it's not, it doesn't have that threatening feeling you might expect from the title. It's, Mm -hmm. it's mostly, it's that kind of turquoise and pink that comes through. And the, the floor looks really similar to what we saw in the quilt uh, painting Mm -hmm. with the, uh, the the same technique, this uh, really painterly texture um, painted and then cut up and put into strips. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you want to look at this as our last one? Yeah. This is also way bigger than I expected it to be. I was surprised at the scale on this one too. Because this is probably this is probably the largest piece in the uh, Uh, in in the the exhibition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this one's called "Artist with Painting and Model," Mm -hmm. and uh, this is really the only place. Well, there is one other place, uh, uh, but. You can really um, see him as a self-portrait here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other pieces, he he's present in the other pieces, but he doesn't depict himself. Because, you know, when you think about your own memories, you don't see yourself. You see what you see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's what he was doing in the rest of the, the works here. But in this one, he's actually presenting his own physical image. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's standing next to a painting. It's a reworking of a painting that he did in 1941. It's placed on an easel. And the, the painting is of Mary and Elizabeth, mm. the biblical story. But it's been placed in the south. Mm. So you can see a cabin in the back there. And the colors are really bright. Uh, he, he's brightened the colors in this painting um, as compared to the original. Um, because at this time, he was living um, in the Caribbean. He had a, a home um, with his wife uh, in the Caribbean, St. Martin. And so he's influenced by, you know, how colorful it was in St. Martin. This was done in 1981. He was... Uh, in his late six, well, mid sixties mm-hmm. when he did it, 67. So here's this, um, man in his sixties looking back 50 years to memories and remembering things through that filter. And now here we are in 2020 looking at it 40 years since then. So we're looking back, you know, a, a lot of years, um, and there's different time frames, you know, that we're, that we're seeing here. Um, this actually couldn't have 
really happened exactly this way because this is supposed to have taken place in the 30s. Right. But the painting wasn't made until 1941. Right. So, but just like our memories, you know, they get a little confused as far as, you know, when right. things actually happened. Yeah. And it becomes a composite. You know, yeah. your life is, is a composite. So. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. The, there's this sort of cloth or something that's sort of draped over the chair. Um, and if you look, you can see clearly that his hand... It, one of his hands is cut out from that same piece of paper that's uh, making up that shape. Um, and so one of the things I think is so interesting about that is why did he choose to make that one hand gray? Isn't that strange? I, I don't know. I, it just He's has me puzzled. And his other hand, this sort of yellow color um, and, then that one hand is gray. And it's it's still in the same style. It's You can see the uh -huh. details are incised in it, just like his other hand and his face. Um, and it's like a claw almost, or a caliper. <laughs> and he's grabbing, I don't know if that's Mary or Elizabeth, probably Mary. Um, what's he doing? I, <laughs> yeah, it is a weird gesture. I mean, I think, uh, from my guess, I think he's just trying to, like, have his hand resting over top of the canvas and okay. it's, it's maybe not the most i don't know convincing way a person would hold their hand in that way mm -hmm. I, but it does like the way the fingers like the are positioned it almost looks like you're saying like a caliper like yeah it's like squeezing the head of the the person in the painting it kind of looks like where he's about to but yeah i mean from the pose i almost feel like he's just trying to like pose uh -huh. with the painting is yeah, what it he's, feels he like. Yeah, he is. He's presenting you know, himself. This is his model over here. Yeah. And uh, she's cut out like a Matisse. He, yeah. he actually did meet Matisse. He, uh, oh, really? Yeah. He he went to the Sorbonne on uh, the GI Bill. So he, he studied uh, philosophy there, I believe, for a um, few months. And while he was in Paris, he also traveled to Italy. Okay. And, uh, you know, so he, he got you know, to see a lot of the sites. And uh, he did meet some of the big artists that were working at this time. I mean, yeah, th this one is, uh, th there's a lot of Matisse influence in a lot of his mm -hmm. pieces, but this one, mm -hmm. I feel like you can really feel it. You know, the, the, the sort of cloth that's draped around the model's waist, the way that, that texture is painted mm -hmm. and even the cutting of shapes and stuff, the, the, the shapes he makes feel very Matisse inspired. So he's, he's showing us his, his influences. It's, there's his African, um, heritage mm -hmm. in the, the model's uh, cloth. Also you'll see in his sketchbook that we see on the floor, uh, there's a Benin sculpture, which was a, the representation of a, a really strong woman. Mm. Um, <clears throat> strong women were something that were a part of his life. Uh, his his grandmothers, both of them, and his mother and his wife were all very strong women. Um, so you also see behind him, mm -hmm. there's a little um, part of the Maista altarpiece. Oh, okay. Uh, to kind of uh, give a nod to his art history background. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I love uh, and I love the the masking tape that's holding it up on the yeah. wall. Yeah, just like you would actually see in because the, it's in of the course store. just really masking tape that's like taped to the surface. But it like it's it's a it's a really fun 
trick because it doesn't read as masking tape stuck to the surface of this picture, does it? Like it, it doesn't. It's, yeah. it, it totally goes to the background and, and functions. Just like it would be yeah. real. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun trick. And then I, I noticed here, too, I, he, he has a really fun signature in a lot of these pieces. Uh-huh. And I, I like this one, too, because it looks like he signed it on another piece of paper and then just glued it, it to Stuck the it surface. on there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's not super discreet, either. It's, like, pretty out there in yeah. the middle, almost. I, I like his signature. It kind of goes kind of vertical in some of the, yeah. the paintings. Yeah, he yeah. breaks up the letters in a lot of uh-huh. them where it'll say, like, it'll he'll have the R and the O and the M and then the A and the R and the E will be in the next, like, line. Yeah. And then he'll break up, like... Be, be like almost into bear den I, i've noticed uh-huh. yeah yeah i love the paintbrushes up there in the corner there's they're, they're just so fun to look at in the cup that they're in and i yeah. see the use of foil yeah the, the foil uh, yeah that's that's great and i was looking at trying to see what those what the images that's making up the brushes because there's definitely a texture there that he's using it's a photo of something and I can't quite see what it is. It's fun because it's not actually brushes, uh-huh. you know? It's like something else, but it's like standing in and it does the job, you yeah, know? Yeah, some, something that has vertical lines in it that yeah. it could be a paintbrush. Yeah, and it has like a soft, like you can kind of tell like the, the picture is some sort of soft surface, like a fabric or something, and it it, it conveys that the right texture, so... Wow. Yeah, I think that's that little surprises like that are what makes it fun. I think it's just uh, just a delightful and and like um, Robert O'Mealy said in the lecture the other night. You know, look again. You know, come back and and just keep looking. Yeah, this show. I mean, we just looked at a few pieces in this whole you know big exhibition, and I feel like you could really spend a long time if you really wanted to dig into any one of these works. You could just sit and stare at it forever because there are so many details that are buried in there. Yeah. Well, can I? Um, I have a quote from Bearden. Can I read it? Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, Bearden was uh, talking to a younger artist and ad- advising the younger artist. He said, uh, quote, become a blues singer. <laughs> Only you sing on the canvas. You improvise. You find the rhythm and catch it good and structure as you go along. Then the song is you. Oh, that's great. So I think it, it's fun to go through this exhibition and pick out the painting where the song is you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being our All guest right, today, Julie. My pleasure. It was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. The special exhibitions on view right now are Something Over Something Else, Romare Bearden's Profile Series and Women Breaking Boundaries. I mentioned in the episode the staged reading of Joe Turner's Come and Gone by August Wilson. That will be happening on April 16th at 7 p.m. Admission is $10 for members and $20 for the general public. For program reservations and more information, visit cincinnatiartmuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us to help other people find the show. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. 